1: Love Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you from wherever I happen to be in the world at the moment. I'm the author of three books available on Amazon and Kindle, Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, Edena, Energy Medicine from the Stars and Sacred Journeys and Vision Quests. On my website, hotpinklotus.com, I offer many free things, including free meditations and many courses, plus an email newsletter on metaphysics, spirituality, and the ever-changing reality we are now co-creating. I've been sending out free email newsletters for over 15 years, and I invite you to go to my website to check it out. Besides writing my books, I still do intuitive consultations and readings from the Akashic records, including past lives and life mission readings. All the details on these are on my website, hotpinklotus.com. With these radio shows, I'm creating a free archived audio library available at any time, day or night, to anyone on earth with access to the internet. Sometimes these shows will be me talking about what I know or what I do, but most of the time it will be other experts, usually authors, but experts in their respective fields sharing what they know and what they do. I invite you to register for Blog Talk Radio because it's free, and if you do that, you can mark my show as a favorite or get reminders of upcoming shows and participate in the chat. The call-in number for this show is 347-945-5309. You can phone in or call in using Skype if you want to listen like that. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, good morning, everyone. Today is Thursday, the 13th of February, 2014. This is Lois Wetzel, and I'm coming to you live from Houston, Texas today, and on the show with me is my good buddy, Becky Hanna, who used to do the shows with me in the very beginning and now has time to fit them into her busy schedule once again. Hi, Becky.
0: Good morning, Lois. Thanks for
1: having me. It's wonderful to have you back on here. What I thought we would talk about today is my book, my upcoming book. It should be ready in a couple of months. And I know people who've read the book, Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, are going to be really excited to hear that I have written another book about the past life readings that I've done. And this one is called Reincarnation, Past Lives and the Akashic Records. And um, I just sent it off to the editor today, um, I'm sorry, two days ago, and we'll see how fast she can get around to it. But then it'll take probably a couple of months before it's actually published because uh, then it's got to go to the person who sets it up to be printed. Um, but it's, um, it's kind of different than the first one in that all the readings that I did for this one, or almost all of them, were done remotely which is how I do them now. But um, I want to go ahead and talk about what you were telling me right before the show started about the experience that you recently had that had to do with your past life reading that you got four years ago.
0: Well, thanks, Lois. Um, It's actually quite incredible. I had a reading, I believe, in June 2010, And when I asked for the reading, I was interested in mining the Akash. In other words, finding out what I might have mastered in past lifetimes that I could bring forth and use in this lifetime. And the first few readings, um, the guardians, I guess, got all excited about the fact that I was even asking. So they showed me um, lifetimes that um, I you know, that really hit home as far as illustrating why I went through the karmic balance that I did. And one of them in particular happened to do with a situation um, where um, it was, the past life was one of betrayal. I didn't stand up. um, And my son in that lifetime, um, you know, kind of left when he got old enough, and so that was always there. And in this lifetime, um, our paths crossed, and we were in a relationship, and um, the anger, I don't, you know, it was like you flip a switch, and I never knew when the anger was coming. It was like one of those Jekyll Hyde things, and it went on for a couple of years, and I wasn't quite sure how to deal with it, but after the reading, I'm like, okay, well, then I understand and I would just meditate and just, you know, ask for whatever lesson I needed um, to come to the forefront. While I left on pretty rocky terms, I felt okay because I knew I did everything that I could. And just yesterday I received an email from this person saying he bought a beach house, I'm welcome there anytime he's coming up in May, look forward to seeing you, and I almost fell out of my chair. So I know for a fact that this healing, it, it kind of um, it heals in the present, but it also goes back through time and space, in my opinion, and um, it's obvious that the effects of these come in waves when you finally get an aha moment when i finally quit belly aching when i finally quit complaining when i finally kept being um you know removing myself as a victim and saying okay it's all appropriate um i don't really know but i'll know in time and um voila i was pretty impressed that's good work lois well, that's good work for you too, Becky,
1: and also making the connection that it had to do with the reading. So, yeah,
0: it, yes. What it, that, what it, it me about
1: did. yeah what what amazes me about all that is that the effects of a past life reading can still be rolling
0: out four
1: years later.
0: Right, and another thing that I learned is that it's not linear like we think it is. We live in a world of polarity. Well, that's changing now, um, but everything is linear. So we think if we had a past life as, um, oh gosh, I don't know, um, let's say an Egyptian and we had a past life as a World War I pilot, for example, they're actually happening at the same time. They're, it's, um, it's, I haven't fully wrapped my mind around it, but I've seen little glimpses of how if you have two lifetimes and they seem like they overlap, I, I gave a bad example. Um, I hope you know what I mean. Like, you can have a I life do. as a pilot in World War I, and you can also have um like be a soldier in the civil war and you would have been alive at the same time well in linear time it doesn't make sense and therefore oh well that's a bunch of bunk and that's just not the case that's been my experience yeah
1: and the thing is that from the viewpoint of the soul they're all happening at the same time because there's no illusion of linear time from the viewpoint of the soul We have the illusion of linear time because we need to see cause and effect. We're here to learn lessons, so we have to uh, do something and then see how it turns out in order to learn the lesson. But in reality, that's just an illusion. And the way the visual image that helps me or that has been given to me um, by the guardians of the records is uh, is that the soul is like um, a kernel of light and you know those balls that you can touch and the electrical impulse seems to come out towards your hand from a center point inside this sort of clear ball? Have you seen yes. that? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's like that. All your lifetimes are surrounding the soul on the exterior of this ball and they've all got their own little linear paths that go around the ball and the energy coming from the center point where the soul actually is is radiating out to these different lifetimes in all different directions as they proceed. But they're all joined at that center point. That makes it make sense to me. Um, but the all the lifetimes have that illusion of the line going around the outside of the ball.
0: But the soul
1: in the middle can see all of it at once.
0: That's incredible. That, that, that is a little more helpful. I, it's, some of these concepts... Before, I wasn't quite sure what to think, but, I mean, you know, I I look at everything anymore like, what do I really know? I'm in this human body. I'm actually a spirit having these experiences and doing what I came here to do. And so when something doesn't make sense, I've I've adopted the attitude of I have um, like a cosmic need to know. If I need to know at the time, it'll be clear. But usually what happens is I will attract different pieces of that puzzle until it makes sense in my mind, and it actually opens up um, the more, more of the multidimensionality that we're now experiencing pretty much on a daily level or daily basis, mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. So, well,
1: um, I've got a whole chapter on overlapping and parallel lifetimes in this book, just because so many people have have said, you know, well, those two life that can't be right. My reading's got to be wrong because you know, obviously, you probably didn't notice, but obviously two of these lifetimes overlapped. I'm going, yeah, I noticed, but I forgot that it was important because I've I'm known for so long that lifetimes do overlap. Uh, and just because we don't think they can doesn't mean our souls can't handle it. They can multitask exactly. out the wadroot. I mean, they multitask exactly. in ways that, as do the angels, as, in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. That's one of the earliest. I, I'm not deciding yet where to put that chapter. I, I don't know if that needs to go in the front or the back, but I'm going to let my, that person who's doing the editing help. I'm going to let her bounce that. I'm going to bounce that off her. Um, sure. Another chapter is on ancient history and how we're finding out that, you know, uh, our ancient history is absolutely wrong because – the guardians of the records told me when I finally asked, they kept showing me lifetimes that were hundreds of thousands of years ago, and I'm going, finally one day I said, how, how long have we been here? And they said, well, over 500,000 years. And I went, I must be hearing them wrong. And then I find out that there there are artifacts all over the place that indicate that we've lived on this planet hundreds of thousands of years. And most recently... Uh, with all the storms and everything, there there is a huge sheet of rock on the uh, coast of England that has uh, a group of human footprints uh, in the rock because it used to be mud. Then it turned into rock. And this rock is eight, between 800 and 850,000 years old with human, not like wow. human footprints in it. And they were saying in the article I read that uh, it was about to be covered up again. And they were trying to find a way to preserve it somehow, um, but yeah, wow. I've had some awful, awful storms off the coast of England lately with seventy five foot waves, so that would pull some sand off some rock, sure being covered because when this, that wave comes back out, it's going to pull all kinds of stuff with it. so um yeah, there there are many indicators that um like I had a past life memory a spontaneous one a few years ago in which I was alive. And um, at the same time as dinosaurs. And we were not cavemen. We were civilized. And we lived in a walled-off, long, narrow valley. that was walled off at either end to keep dinosaurs out. And one got in. And, huh. uh, I mean, we had houses that we had built and we had transportation vehicles that didn't run on gas because they didn't make any noise. Um, and recently, I've seen again, rocks with human footprints on the Internet. I mean, you can Google them and find them. Anyone can. Uh, Sheets of rock that used to be mud that have human and dinosaur footprints overlapping each other. That means they walked along, both of them, while the mud was still wet.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: They've got both human footprints on top of dinosaur footprints or dinosaur footprints on top of human footprints. So clearly, we were there walking barefoot apparently um where
0: foot, where dinosaurs
1: were walking
0: that's amazing
1: yeah so our ancient history is uh, wrong and you can put that in all caps with exclamation points after it. there's case after case after case of it i mean and, and there's a whole chapter on that in this new book um the title of that chapter is Our Ancient History is Wrong."
0: Look is forward to that. In, you know, even and history books they have in schools, they keep revising and revising and revising and um, yeah. you know, the language evolves, but not only that, the facts seem to change. So um, it, it's that's really nice.
1: Einstein, that's why Einstein said imagination's more important than knowledge, because without imagination nobody would ever try anything new. They'd never have a new experiment. And Yeah, and the reason that imagination is so important is because knowledge changes constantly, and it's imagination that makes that happen.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, I believe that. What we know as human beings is changing so fast nobody can keep up with it.
0: Well, there's a lot going on that's hard to keep up with these days. You know, I'm almost becoming numb to the news. I don't want to not see what's going on in the world. I'm trying to watch the news from a different perspective. So, I mean, I care what's going on. Um, I don't feel like I need to go march in any protests or anything, but I, I like to see what information is coming out because it's evidence that our world is changing. And in my opinion, for the better. It has to break down before it can rebuild. So, um,
1: Right. And there's something really cool that was on Facebook. I invite everybody to follow me and Becky. On Facebook, uh, Becky is Becky Hanna, and I'm Lois Wetzel, the one in Houston. And one of the things I shared on Facebook yesterday was um, a billionaire who's given away all but $2 million of his, I think it was $3.6 billion, to help underprivileged kids go to college. Now, wow. if that's not an indicator that our world is changing, I'd like to know what is.
0: Wow. And
1: 2014 is going to be the year of miracles. Last year Mm. was a a B-I-T-C-H. I I mean, everybody was clearing (laughs) stuff and the planet was clearing stuff and people were clearing stuff. But this year, this is going to be the year of miracles. I'm just so excited about this year. It's going to be way cool.
0: Well, I'm excited too. I had um yeah, I was I was thrilled that 2013 kind of faded into the background. It was um I, I know it was a rough year for most everyone I know. Yeah. Um but um and I've had little bits and pieces resurface, but um I can just it's it's a lot better. It's like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh I'm not going there. Uh-uh, been there, done that. I'm recognizing things very quickly now." And all I have to do, I do some, um, like the, um, what is it, meridian tapping, EFT. I can tap a little bit. I can uh, go in meditation. And I'm also using a lot of deep breathing and just um, surrounding it with St. Germain's Flame and, you know, here, you guys, it's like a hot potato. Hey, you got this one. I'm not dealing with this one anymore. I learned my lesson. I recognize it. And um, next, please. So it's been quite a revelation.
1: So, well, yeah, and this year is just going to, well, you know, I did a a channel Archangel Gabriel for Sedona Journal, like I do every um, year for the predictions issue. And what he said was that there's going to be something astounding uh, that will change everything that happens this year and no one will see it coming because we're not supposed to supposed to be taken by surprise wow Um, very cool and then it's going to be
0: phenomenal and wonderful and um so anyway well i'm looking forward to that i could use some phenomenal and wonderful but um right now it's just anticipating and getting excited and staying in that space of joy and gratitude and um I i think it's all on the way Is No matter how bad things seem to look, they really are on the right track, and it's very exciting to me. It is, absolutely. That actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh, (laughs) I apologize. That brought up something I was just going through. um, was sitting in meditation this morning and trying to get ready for the day, and a thought came up. Um, that it seems that, you know how everyone says you take one step forward, two steps back, and I keep coming across, you know, different people and different sources that say that's really not the case anymore. The wind should be at our back. I shouldn't use the word should, but the wind is at our back. And um, what it's doing is creating a lot of doubt, and um, it's really taking a toll on confidence. I know I've had that experience so um but it's you know the the sun's magnetic poles have shifted and we're in this huge flux right now and everything is manifesting very quickly you know sort you know thoughts or things and they pop out um but when it appears that you're taking a step backwards you're really not it's just you doubting that you're really on your path so um and I actually saw that in um, another past life reading that I had where I, you know, I started doubting and then I read that piece of information. So there is a cosmic reason for it, but it also filters down into everything. It's like the micro and the macrocosm and how it settles in. But I just, um, I just wanted to put it out there because I, I know I'm not the only one going through this. You know, confidence is taking a hit. Am I on my path? And I know when you do your sole purpose and readings that you offer, I know that um, this could probably help confirm to people, um, you know, that they are. But, they, you know, it, don't doubt yourself. You know, be confident in what you're choosing and, and walk right into it. Yeah, that's good advice. Anytime. And, you
1: know, I've never really bought into that two steps forward. Is it one forward, two back? I've never
0: bought into that. Oh, yes, just yes, yes, yes. That's the saying anyway, yes. I just think it's crazy. I, I oh. don't
1: see going backwards at all. I just don't. And um, I guess I'm not as pessimistic as I thought I was because I, I never was <laughs> that at all.
0: It's like, how
1: you're just walking through I see life as a a weaving path or a winding path going through the woods and you can't see what's coming next. You just have mm-hmm. to trust and keep putting one foot in front of the other. When you get in trouble is when you just sit down and give up. Yes. But as long as you keep moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other and trusting your guidance, then you wind up where you're supposed to be. When you get in trouble, is when you try to figure it out with your mind, with your with your brain, with your ego, rather than following guidance. I've found out things turn out much, much, much better if I just follow guidance. The trick is learning how to discern between ego and and guidance. That takes That's
0: practice. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not quite there yet i'm practicing though and i'm much more mindful i have a feeling it's going to flip pretty soon but i've been through a lot of times and i'm just doubting myself and that puts me back in victim mentality where i know i don't want to be right um so so it, it's letting go i have to let go and trust just like you said i have to trust and keep moving and yep. um see there's a
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it seems to me that the thing is that you can choose to interpret what's happened to you, and I can incho- we can all choose to interpret what has happened to us uh, in a variety of ways. And it's the negative self-talk that gets us into trouble. Yes. And yeah. so what Amen. I always Just tell myself I may not see the reason for this, but there's a reason for this, and I'll see it later. Mm-hmm. You can only see the reason later. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. If we if we just keep moving forward, and keep putting one foot in front of the other, then things turn out. That's when we start fighting and go, I don't want to go there, and all that stuff, <laughs> or tell ourselves that we we must there must be something wrong with us, or things wouldn't be turning out this wouldn't be happening this way. It's like we're right. all being guided by an unseen hand. And that that means that we don't know why it's doing what it's doing until afterwards. And the trick is to start trusting that unseen hand. Oh, boy. I'm working on it. We've all got guides. So how would you like me to read to you one of the past past life readings I did? It's in the new book. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, So when I was visiting in England in September of, 2011, August and September, I got to know um, a woman a little bit better that I'd met before because we had friends in common. And one day she mentioned, I'm going to start reading now, that she, couldn't, that she could swim but had a horrible fear of putting her face into the water and wondered if it might be from a past life. Because she had done an enormous favor for me while I was visiting, I told her I would do a reading as a, a favor for her just about that subject to see if we could uncover something about the phobia. And here's that reading. I call it Mysterious Comings and Goings. Here's the past life that I saw when asking the guardians of the Akashic Records about why you experienced difficulty putting your face into the water. Knowing about this lifetime will help begin to heal that phobia. It's not a pretty story. However, in looking at past lives, we begin to heal the damage or scar to the part of us that is immortal, that part which comes back repeatedly in many different lives. Here's what happened to you. And this woman's name is Lydia, by the way. This was a very long time ago before recorded history, as so many of our lifetimes are. I'm not familiar at all with the houses of the clothes, but I will say that these were very plain people. No matter how much money they had, they lived in approximately the same size house as everyone else, based on how many people were in the family. Their houses looked like stucco from the outside with no sharp edges. The houses don't have any consistent shapes, some rectangular, some square. Others would have amorphous shapes, all the corners slightly rounded. The roofs look like a vegetable material, rather like thatch. From a cultural standpoint, uh, they were fairly evolved in that they did not believe in being ostentatious with their wealth, so as not to hurt anyone's feelings. Some families were a little more stable, was how they put it, because they had more holdings, and wealth was represented by land. But people did not wear fancy clothes or jewelry or anything, but some families had more land holdings than most, and others had none, but they all lived approximately the same. Those who had no land paid rent to those who owned the home they were living in, and yet that rent might just be a small percentage of a crop. In this lifetime, at the point I am first seeing, you are a 10-year-old boy whose father came from a family that did not have much stability, in other words, holdings or wealth. (coughs) He married a woman who really adored him, and she gave him a lot of freedom because she knew it was hard for him that her family had more holdings than his family. They did not have machines like cars or so on, no flying machines or machines that traveled across the ground. Most people walked everywhere they went. I do see uh, see that they used certain animals to help with farming, like pulling plows, moving around equipment. They did not use animals for personal transportation very much. So here's what's going on in your family. You're the eldest of three children, and there's another one on the way. At the time I am seeing, your father had this habit of disappearing for a couple of weeks at a time every other month, and no one ever speaks of it. You can tell when he's gone that your mother's worried, but if you asked about it, she changed the subject. She just said, your father has things he has to do, and I allow him his personal freedom to come and go as he wishes because he is a man. Women are not supposed to tell men what to do, just like men are not supposed to tell women how to run the household. So she was disturbed by it, but never did anything about it, and neither did any of the other adults. They all thought it was strange, but looked the other way, as he did his periodic disappearing act, because he always did come back. He never told anyone when he was leaving, but you decided that one day you were gonna find out what was going on. You packed a little travel bag with food and water in in a container and a change of clothes, and you were going to follow him the next time he disappeared, or try to anyway. Early one morning, you heard a stirring in the house, peeked out, and saw that your dad was trying to sneak out. So he climbed out a window with your pre-packed bag and followed him for a day and a half. He was about two-thirds of the way to where he ultimately ended up when he stopped and went into a pub where he changed clothes. He apparently kept clothes in there, and he put on a hat, sort of like a stocking cap that had hair hanging out the bottom that was a different color than his. So he was actually putting on a disguise. So you were really puzzled at this point and couldn't figure out what on earth he was doing, but you continued following him. The remainder of the trip took about a day and a half or two days of walking, and you would keep an eye on him from a distance and dart behind a tree or bushes if you turned around. This was mostly a rural area, and part of the journey was through a very old forest with massively tall trees, old ones with thick trunks. would sleep outside and so did you when your dad finally got to the town where he was headed it was significantly far away from your home that no one you knew had ever been there you were not even familiar with this town didn't even know it existed he stopped and went into an abandoned hut and put away his disguise walking the rest of the way into town as you observed all of this he walked up to a specific house and called out to the inhabitants before he even got there As you watched from the woods, a woman and two small children came running out, and they were screaming, Daddy, Daddy, oh, boy, Daddy's home. And lo and behold, to your utter dismay, your father had another family. He remained there a little over a week. Wisely, you found a place to stay in someone's barn, saying, I'm traveling through, may I do some work for you to pay for my room and board? And they were happy to have you because you were a friendly, helpful kid. Keeping an eye on your dad, you were prepared to leave again when he left, heading toward home. You began to follow him once more. Reaching the outskirts of that town, your father remembered he'd forgotten something. He turned around suddenly to go back, and that was when he saw you. You were not expecting him to turn around suddenly, but he reversed directions and saw you, and there was no time to hide. You froze, and he said, what are you doing here? You replied, I followed you, and I know about your other wife and children. I'm going to tell my mother. He, snar- he snarled, no, you are not. You insisted, yes, I am. She has a right to know where you're going and that you're taking her money because the father did not do much of anything. He did busy work and helped with the horses that pulled the plow, worked with the oxen or whatever those draft animals were, and pretended to be an overseer in the fields, but he really did not do much. That was hard on him, actually, and your words, words struck a deep, painful nerve. He needed to be someone's hero, which is why he created this other family. As you two spoke, he became more and more enraged because he knew if your mother found out, the money he was taking to his other family would dry up and he would be out on his ear and not have two wives and two sets of kids. Rather, he would have nothing and no one at all. He snapped and went berserk. There was a water trough nearby that looked like a large metal tank. He shoved your face down in it and you were squirming trying to get loose. He realized what he was doing and pulled you back out, but it was too late. You had already inhaled water and died. Oddly, nobody else saw any of this. The tank was behind a wall next to a barn. So he picked you up, carried you into the woods, found a cliff or edge of a gully, and he tossed the body and went home. You went back to your mother's house anyway. That was the end of you, but you need to also know that this man's not in your life at this time. You may bump into him later, but you do not know this man yet. The other thing you need to know is that it troubled him horribly. He just snapped and went crazy for a moment, and it was too late by the time he came to his senses. He never intended to kill you, and later he told himself that he was trying to impress upon you the fact that he was stronger than you were and you'd better do what he said. But in his rage, he held you under far too long. He was never the same after that and ultimately ended up killing himself over it. One of the times he went to visit his other family and he hanged himself and they never understood why. Your mother never knew what happened to him, nor did she find out what happened to you. Your body was found, but the people who found it had no idea who you were. Knowing about this, gradually you may have some emotional releases, and you may want to take the apple cider vinegar bath that's in the back of the book, but you may have some memories come up on their own. while you awake or in dreams? And that may be in little bits and pieces as the, as the, as the parts of this click into place over time. And then after I turned off the recording, I started getting more information, so I turned it back on. At the moment you were dying, you were really furious and quite terrified as you had no idea that anyone would ever do such a thing to a child. And your innocence was damaged at the soul level. Your ability to trust was damaged because anything that happens while you're in the process of dying is imprinted on the soul. And you were also running through, a lot was running through your mind in a short period of time. You are running through, where did I go wrong? Should I have just let him go where he wanted to go and ignored his movements? Should I have lied to him and said, no, I will never tell my mother? All these things went through your head like, how am I responsible for my own death? What should I have done differently? One of the main things you need to understand is that you were trying as a 10-year-old boy to take the responsibility of a grown man for protecting your mother and your family from this person who you had come to see as a con artist. So you also had doubts in the moment of death about whether it's sometimes to better just allow someone to do something bad to someone else without saying anything about it. Is the lesson to just keep your mouth shut because it's not safe to try to set matters straight? Yet that's not true either. It is important to set matters right when you see wrong being done, but it's also important not to take on more than you can handle based on your physical size, your maturity level, and all of that. All those conditions need to be taken into consideration before we get up on that horse and raise that sword sword and go to battle over something. And you've been getting lessons in several lifetimes over when to take a stand and when to be quiet, and that may be something you're still dealing with to a certain extent. So after I sent this reading to Lydia, she emailed me asking where exactly the father had been holding the boy, precisely how had he been held underwater long enough to drown. I replied that he'd held the boy by the back of the neck. At that point, Lydia said that when she heard the recording of the reading, she knew it was by the back of the neck because her neck stopped hurting right after I said that he shoved the boy's face into the water. Unbeknownst to me, she had had remitting neck pain, I'm remitting, sorry, I'm remitting neck pain since she was about 10 or 12 years old, which no one had ever been able to heal. After the reading, the pain in her neck just stopped. But she needed to hear independently from me that the boy had been held by the back of the neck, neck just for confirmation. Otherwise, she was not sure she would have believed this was really her past life. The neck pain, having spontaneously stopped, along with my telling her where the man had held the boy, were necessary for her to believe I was really doing a past life reading and not just making up an interesting story. She had also reported something I had not known about her, which was that she had a profound, deep sense of the importance of children's rights, almost at the level of being a crusader. Her work in this lifetime has to do with children as well. She felt sure that had to do with her own rights, having been abrogated as a 10-year-old boy in that lifetime, murdered by his own father. So that's one of the past life readings. And, Becky, are you there?
0: I I, I apologize. I muted myself so that I wouldn't interrupt. And then forgot. (laughs) And then (laughs) then forgot. forgot. I need a lot of reminders these days. That is an incredible story. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting how those cellular memories and those past lives show up in our body. Yeah. I find that the incredible. Um, the There was one instance where um, my mouth was, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. This, this is a past lifetime that that you spoke about, where my mouth was um, sewn shut from screaming. And in this lifetime, um, I have had all kinds of cold sores through my life, and um, I don't speak my truth, I don't speak out. But it's interesting, now that you mention that, that the cold sores, when they show up, they're not nearly the severity that they've always had been my whole life. And now it's to the point where you can't even see them. I know they're there. They don't even are over, and they're gone. And I never made that connection until you were, you said mentioned the neck, that um, that lady's neck. That's incredible. Yeah, it it continues to this day to
1: boggle my mind. Not everybody yeah. makes a connection. That's the thing. Not everybody. Just like you said. You, it never realized until now that your cold sores weren't as bad as they had been prior to the reading, and it probably has to do with your mouth being sewn shut. Wow. making too much noise. But you never made the connection. And it's just, to me, I guess I'm sort of surprised when people do make the connection, like what she <laughs> said, where, because I think so much of it goes over people's heads. And well, I don't you think thought. they well, have to make the connection
0: your mouth healed anyway.
1: Yeah, an it did. I'm
0: just like, isn't that interesting? And, it, and so yeah. you were talking about her neck pain. I never, I you know, I, I've mentioned it to my mom. I've mentioned it to friends. Like, I can't believe that my, because um, I always had canker sores and cold Even my pictures in high school and grade school, I have cold sores everywhere. Always have. And, um, yeah, and I well, think I it's because you, you, yeah, well, yes. It, I'm very but open. when to, you tried to speak up, then they would show up. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I never thought. I have to think. Probably that that feels true. That feels yeah. true because I've had that issue my whole life. And when I and do this, speak up, I think you know how loud I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I get very excited and my voice raises and raises or when I get very upset and animated my, my volume just goes up and I've, I've struggled with that my whole life and when, there could be a crowd of 200 people and this is where it's like the best of times the worst of times so in school I always got detention for you know I'm the one they could identify the voice I'm the yeah. one that cut through everybody else and they, you know, Hannah, hey, you're after school today or whatever it was. And yeah. at the same time, I'm the one they ask to quiet a room or an auditorium of hundreds of people. So it's it's the blessing curse type thing. Yeah. But um I think you deal with you've been so this is my observation. You do these readings and, you know, you, you look at them without judgment. You just say what you're seeing and keep, keep all of the judgment opinions and all of that stuff out of the, the reading. And so, of course, you're going to see and, and not be surprised when someone makes a connection because it happens all the time. And it's very easy for you to see as an outsider looking in um, you know what the guardians show you it's like oh well that makes sense why she or he would react that way or have this issue or um need to work on something um i just think you see it all the time and with me just a revelation because it just you know wasn't even on my radar so that's a gift that's a gift
1: yep i love revelations i love it when they just pop in
0: yeah, well, I think I've had two in a row. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when, a lot of times for me when they happen is when I'm doing something mindless, and I don't do mindless things often enough, um, but lately it's been when I'm washing dishes, which is not exactly my most favorite thing in the whole world to do, but you know, cleaning up the kitchen, loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher, cleaning up the sink, that sort of thing, washing the pots and pans. And... I have insights pop in because I'm not doing something that requires a lot of cognitive functioning. I'm not watching television. I'm not reading. I'm not working on the computer. And um, that's when stuff pops in. Yep. And it'll pop in while I'm out walking in the woods too. I'll have things, will just I'll just go, ah, what. Things will click in, but it's been so cold and wet lately, I haven't been doing that.
0: Um, but Well, that's together. exactly what's on my agenda this afternoon. Oh, Bundle up. North. Yeah, it's well, um, cold, 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 but by golly, I'm going to make a trek. Well,
1: I'm going to try very soon, but I'm hoping to uh, see that the paths I walk on can be really, really muddy.
0: Uh, and
1: I don't want to get stuck out there in the middle of nowhere.
0: I don't blame
1: uh, you. I certainly don't blame you. So, um, but I love being out there because uh, I, I feel like, well, I know that the plants have energy they share with us. That mm-hmm. walking in the woods is healing because of all that plant chi, especially pine like trees. They have the most. Pine trees have the most, give off the most spiritual chi of all the trees. Really? That's my understanding. Yeah, that's my understanding.
0: I did not know that. I know um, once upon a time I lived in Georgia and the pollen there was crazy. It would Uh coat the cars and almost bury you. Maybe they were, um, maybe we should be more like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not used to that. I'm used to pollen, but never to that magnitude.
1: I haven't been able to go up to Austin to visit my grandchild for months because I'm so violently allergic to cedar pollen, and it's been wacko this year because they had they had some rain in the fall, uh, late summer and early fall for the first time. They had been, we've been having horrible droughts here, but especially central Texas where Austin is. And so the cedar trees went berserk because there was some rain and they had the highest pollen counts there for a while that they've had in over 20 years. And uh, so it's just now getting to the point that I can go back up there. But when in the spring, when most other trees are making pollen, it's pecan tree pollen that coats everything and turns it green, and I'll bet you that's what you were uh, experiencing is pecan pollen because they have a lot of pecans in Georgia too.
0: Huh, I never thought of that. I just assumed Contons. it was pine because I was the woods behind us was mostly pine. Um well that stuff gets around, I can tell you that.
1: Yeah. And I've yeah. never really Not been
0: really. sensitive never had allergies, but I certainly had a hard time with the pollen, um, the last couple of years. So Well and now I'm back I'm up here. in snow country.
1: Sometimes you find yourself in an area where there is a pollen that you are allergic to.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah,
1: maybe there's just as much pollen up there, but you don't notice it because it will, it'll happen at a different time of the year. It'll happen later in the year, but maybe it's not something you're, you're allergic to. Maybe you were allergic to pine, for example, and I don't know if it got pine up there and where you are now in Ohio, but. Um. Yeah. But
0: not to the degree, you know, there's, Mostly maple, oak, a lot of hardwood. Well, more than the south, I'll put it that way. So Yeah, hardwoods are
1: cool, though, you know. Pretty awesome to have hardwood trees. So, if anybody wants to read this book, Reincarnation, just get on my mailing list and you'll find out about it. When it's coming out, and that is um, on my website, hotpinklotus.com dot com, and uh, sign up for the newsletter. I do not inundate people with um, emails by any stretch of the imagination, and when I do send stuff out, it's usually pretty interesting stuff that uh, just, you know, mostly spiritual in nature. Um, I'm not sending out a bunch of advertisements, um, and. I do let you know when the shows are coming, the radio shows, and I send out reminders about those. And I also send out interesting information about stuff that's going on on the planet from a spiritual standpoint and reminders when something important is happening, like a new book coming out. And another thing I'm involved with, is um, starting a book awards program. We're going to start accepting admissions as soon as the shadow of Mercury retrograde is over, and that will be March the 22nd, in uh, 13 different categories of nonfiction, uh, and either spiritual, not religious, but new age, metaphysical type books, independently published or published by a small press, meaning 10 or fewer titles per year. Um, and, and um, it's an awards program, and we're going to give awards, uh, one award in uh, novels, one for poetry, one for, for uh, short stories. And um, if you're interested in helping out, being a pre-screener, to uh, uh, read some of the books to uh, before we send them to the judges, because there will be more entries than any one judge can possibly handle um, uh get in touch with me. go to my website or um, just lois at hotpinklotus dot com it's l o i s Let me know you're interested and uh, the name of the website for the book awards program is <coughs> the indie spiritual dot com and uh, there's a lot of information on there to tell you about the categories and the rules and everything. And the entry fee is very reasonable. It's $50 per category, which you look around at some of these book awards programs and the um, entry fee is much, much more than that. So this is another thing my guides told me to do, just like the radio show. And um, so when I when they tell me to do something, I, I kind of do it because otherwise I'm sorry later if I didn't. Because, <laughs> you know, the... The, you know what hits the fan if I don't follow guidance, because now I know how to listen to it. So. <laughs> the bleep hits the fan. That's it. We want to say bleep. <laughs> so, um, can you think of anything else we should share with everybody?
0: Uh, um, I guess I'd just like to share, to just be open to whatever comes. Um, trust guidance, because, th- I mean, that's a great reminder for me. I had a tendency to overthink everything and living in your head is not going to help you. So the new energy is here. It's not coming. It has arrived. So my motto is quit recreate. We're so powerful creators. We keep recreating 3D because that's what we know. So stretch your boundaries, stretch your, well, good healthy boundaries and stretch your comfort zone and trust earlier. You just have to kind of go on trust and faith. And that's, that's where I am because let me tell you, I really can't see what's next. I'm excited about it. And every time I drop into that fear of something's not going to work and is this really the right thing, I just, you, you got to let it go. You got to let it go and keep moving. So those, that's my thought for the day. Yeah. And let me
1: say, this thing I, I would say as... Um, People want to know how to follow guidance. It's like if you have, just out of the blue, a thought pops into your head. That's not your ego. That's guidance. There are beings around you all the time trying to get you to do things. And if you have the same idea over and over and over again, and it pops in from out of the blue, that's guidance. And if you want to learn how to get yes-no answers from your guides, I have a YouTube video, um, and it's, Um, Well, I have a YouTube channel. Just go look for it. It's Lois Wetzel. Just Google that on YouTube and you'll find, uh, you know, how to use a pendulum to get yes and no answers from your guides. And just remember, don't ask should questions. Just don't use that word. Say things like, um, is is it in my best interest or is it in the highest good of all concern for me to do this, that, or the other? Not should I do this, that, or the other? And um, there's a clear video showing you how to get yes, no answers. So, it's,
0: very, it's very instructional. I just had to toss that in there. I'm sorry. It's it's a good one, and I use a pendulum a lot, and it, it's very helpful. I,
1: I think it is, too. I, I talk to my, in the mornings sometimes, I we'll just have a nice long talk with my higher self, and I use the Egyptian term, Ba, B-A, and I check and make sure that's who I'm talking to, and then I start asking yes, no questions, and that that helps me, you know, know when I'm on the right track and when I'm not. Yes, I have a YouTube channel now. Not much on there, but the stuff that's on there is very helpful. So I want to thank you for being here with me today, Becky. I appreciate it. And I want to thank everyone who came on uh, to listen and everyone who's going to listen later in the archive. I appreciate you, and um, come see me again in two weeks. Becky will be here again, and we'll just talk about whatever we're in the mood to talk about in two weeks. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone.